Uh, have any of you ever had some dark circumstances in your life? <clears throat> Maybe you're going through some right now. Difficult circumstances come into our lives all the time, don't they? It, it seems like the, the, there's more and more things, and, and we struggle when those difficult things come into our lives. Our first reaction is, why? Why me? You know, I'm serving you, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm working for you. I give my tithe. I go to church. I, you know, whatever it is, you, we think, why, God? What is your will? What, what are you trying to do through that? And, and we feel like we're lost sheep. In Scripture, it talks about the fact that, that we're sheep, you know, and sheep are not very smart, but they, they get lost pretty easily. They get into the darkness. They wander away. And in, in Ezekiel 34, verses, verse 12, he puts it this way. Uh, God is speaking, and, and he's a shepherd. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. Those days of clouds and darkness come. Those days when we don't know what to do and, and we want to know what God's will is for our lives. Amen? And he's our shepherd. There's a song that's a contemporary Christian song. I don't know who, who does it. It's called Shoulders. And, and these are the words to the song. When confusion's my companion and despair holds me for ransom, I will fear, feel no fear. I know that you are near. When I'm caught deep in the valley with chaos for my company, I'll find comfort here because I know that you are near. My help comes from you. You're right here pulling me through. You carry my weakness my sickness, my brokenness, all on your shoulders, your shoulders. My help comes from you. You are my rest, my rescue. I don't have to see to believe that you're lifting me up on your shoulders, your shoulders. Jesus is our good shepherd. And he goes out when we're in that dark, confusing time. He comes out to us in our lostness and he picks us up. And he puts us on his shoulders and he carries us back into the fold. That's God's promise for us. When things are difficult, when we have difficult things, God is going to be with us and he's going to bring us back into the fold. When he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, call, uh, they were called the Beatitudes, not the Do-attitudes. It's not so much what we do for the Lord, but who we are in the Lord that's important. That's what God is working out in us through those difficult times. He's making us stronger. He's developing our character. He's making us more like him through those dark times, through those difficult times. And he carries us through. He'll be with us in those difficult circumstances. And what I want you to focus on today and what I want to hope to leave you with is, is one specific promise from God of what his will is for certain. When you don't know what his will is, when you're lost, when you can't find the way, there is this part of scripture that is absolutely certain is God's will for your life. And it comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, 
16 through 18. And I'm going to read it to you in the Revised Standard Version. So you probably got all different versions anyway. But I like this one because at the very end, I'm going to teach you how to sing it. So that you can take it with you the rest of the week. It says, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What is the will of God? It says it, doesn't it? There are three things that are the will of God for your life, no matter what the circumstance you find yourself in, no matter where you are, what you're doing, these three things, if you remember them and you put them into practice, will mean that you are in the will of God. Amen? So let's go through those. Let's unpack those verses. We're going to start with verse 16, and it just says, Be joyful always. Rejoice always. And a lot of different ways it says that, doesn't it? Uh, do you know what the shortest verse in the Bible is? It's just a side note. Jesus wept. John uh, eleven thirty five, right? Well, the shortest verse in the Greek New Testament is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. There's only 14 letters. It's shorter than John eleven thirty five. There's 16 letters there. So just so you know that, and, and trivia comes up, or if you're on Jeopardy, you can remember that, uh, the Greek, anyway. Let's take a look at the verb itself. Okay, it says rejoice. It, it means it's, it's in the present active imperative tense. That means it's a command. Imperative means command. This is commanded by Paul. And who is he commanding? Who is he telling this to? The Thessalonians, the guys that are suffering, that are going through difficult times. And one of the things that he leaves them with at the very end is rejoice always. You're going through tough times. And he doesn't do that just once. Look at, at uh, uh, where am I? Philippians, Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, the Philippians were his joy. But even there, he was saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, I don't know about you, but if I see something two times in the Bible, it must be important. You know, even one time is important. But two times or three times or four times, it starts to sing, you know, maybe this is something God really wants for me to do. He wants me to rejoice always. Now, how do you rejoice? Is it something you work up inside yourself? You know, come on, joy, come on, come on, come on. That's not the way it is. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit within you, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you become a Christian, you are given the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says it, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Joy is all part of the package. God has provided that joy for us in our salvation. We've been singing about it this morning. Rejoice! Amen? Great worship time, rejoicing in the Lord because he has saved us. He has given that all to us. And so when we need to, all we have to think about is God saved me. And we can be full of joy. 
we can rejoice always. It flows out of our obedience to him that we choose to be joyful. That's our obedience. God, help me to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in my life, especially through those dark and difficult times. And then Jesus in John 16, 22, he promises us something. He says, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Who can take away your joy? No one. No one can take away your joy. Satan tries to steal it. He's always out there like that roaring lion trying to steal away our joy. But I know my wife keeps telling us over and over, joy is there. God is with us. We can be joyful in the midst of no, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what we're going through, we can be joyful. And I use my wife as she's a great example. She's, she's got lupus and fibromyalgia. And a couple of weeks ago, she fell down and bruised her. But she's full of joy in the midst of those difficulties. Why? Because she chooses to be joyful. Not because it just, you know, bubbles out. Well, yeah, it does bubble out too. But it, it's in there. It's in there. And it's in you too. God has promised that no one can steal away your joy. But we have to choose to live in it, in the now. A dog had cancer and he was going to die. As the owner was crying, the vet laid her hand on his arm and he said, Popcorn doesn't know he's dying. He lives in the now. Enjoy him as long as he is happy. As believers, we need to live in the now, one moment at a time, in good or bad circumstances. We don't live in the past because the past is forgiven. We don't have to worry about the future because the future is in God's hands. We need to live in the now and enjoy it while we can. Just enjoy our time. This last week, did you enjoy your time with the family? Amen? I hope you did. Sometimes it's a difficult time, but you can choose to have joy even in the midst of the difficulties. You know, God let me uh, learn that all through the week as I was, uh, well, all through the month as I was practicing and getting ready for this sermon. I had plenty of opportunities to choose to be joyful or let the circumstance overwhelm me. Amen? And God does that for you too. <laughs> he gives you plenty of circumstances that you can choose to be joyful or let the circumstance overwhelm you. God says, rejoice always. In fact, James, in uh, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, says it this way. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Amen? Consider it joy. Choose to consider it joy. Uh, author Leo Biscaglia tells a story about his mother and their misery dinner. It was the night after his father came home and said that it looked like he might have to go into bankruptcy because his partner had absconded with all of the firm's funds. His mother went out and she sold some jewelry 
to buy food for a sumptuous feast. Other members of the family scolded her for it, but she told them that the time for joy is now when we need it most and not next week. Now, her courageous act rallied the family. When circumstances are difficult, we need to choose to be joyful. Amen? Amen. Verse 17 says, pray constantly. And the Greek word for prayer is a, prayer, a word for prayer that's more comprehensive than, than just, say, uh, a petition or a request or something like that. There are a lot of different Greek words, but this one is comprehensive of all of the Greek words that talk about prayer. So all kinds of prayer is noted here. It's also in the imperative tense, which means it's a command. It's commanded. It's not optional, folks. It's not optional. We can't decide to pray uh, one way or that. We're supposed to pray constantly, all the time. And the adverb that goes along with it, the constantly, it's a, a, a word that's used for things that are done repeatedly, such as paying taxes. Can you get out of that? Nope, nope, you got to do it. And you do it over and over and over. Seems like more and more nowadays. Those are things that you have to do. Well, that's what prayer is supposed to be about. Repeated military attacks. How do you know you won? You keep going after it. You keep repeating. You keep attacking until you've won the victory. You don't stop. Anybody ever had a hacking cough? Somebody in the first service coughed right at that time. Oh, perfect. But it's one of those that you, you just can't stop it. It just keeps going and going and going. And, and, you know, you pop lozenges and stuff like that. And you just, well, that's the adverb that's used for a hacking cough, too. Prayer should be that. It should be not hacking prayer, but you, know, you get the idea. You just can't stop it. You just got to keep doing it over and over again. And it's also used for food production, that you go out and you plant food and you raise it and you harvest it, and then you do it again. Because if you stop, you die. You've got to keep doing it. You, you can't just do it once, and, and that's enough. It's like that commercial on TV where they have that one little piece of broccoli. And wouldn't it be nice if all you had to do is eat one piece of broccoli or do one sit-up? Anyway, yeah, I guess you had to know the commercial. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you have to pray. You have to pray, and you have to do it constantly. Over and over and over. It's an attitude of the heart and life. Lightfoot said, It is not in the moving of the lips, but in the elevation of the heart to God that the essence of prayer consists. The spirit of prayer is realizing our dependence on God for all that we have and are, being conscious of his presence with us wherever we may be, and yielding ourselves continually to do his will. And John Bunyan says, you can do more than pray after you have prayed. But you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. We got to pray. We can't put it off and say, we'll do it next week or uh, another time. Pray constantly. Every time that circumstance comes in, your life, that's a call to prayer. And God is saying, do it. That's his will. 
few weeks ago, Pastor Doug used an illustration from Hezekiah in 2 Kings. Do you remember that? About how the Assyrians were coming down on them and, and they went to the Lord in prayer. And they, you know, it was impossible for them to win a victory. It was impossible. They were going to be overrun. And what happened? In one night, the entire Assyrian army was slaughtered, 185,000. Does prayer help? Yes, it does. Prayer makes a difference. We need to pray constantly. Uh, back in, in the 1600s, the, the citizens of Fieldkirk, Austria, I'm sorry, 1800s, didn't know what to do. Napoleon's massive army was preparing to attack. Soldiers had been spotted in the heights above the little town, which was situated on the Austrian border. A council of citizens was hastily summoned to decide whether they should try to defend themselves or display a white flag of surrender. It happened to be Easter Sunday, and the people had gathered in the local church. The pastor rose and said, Friends, we have been counting on our own strength, and apparently that has failed. As this is to be the day of our Lord's resurrection, let's just ring the bells, have our services as usual, and leave the matter to his hands. We know only our weakness and not the power of God to defend us. The council accepted his plan. The church bells rang out and they had their service. The enemy, hearing the sudden peal of the bells, concluded that the Austrian army had arrived during the night to defend the town. And before the service ended, the enemy broke camp and left. The power of prayer. The power of deciding, I'm going to pray about this situation. And we need to do that every day. Every day. C.S. Lewis said, the moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists in shoving them all back and in listening to that still small voice taking that other point of view, letting that other, larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. That's what prayer does. It allows us to zero in on God's power, God's strength, God's enough for anything that we go through. No matter what the difficult circumstance is, God is there, but we've got to pray. We've got to do it. We've got to pray. This is a great story about the power of prayer. Uh, Dr. Helen Rosevere, a missionary to Zaire, told this story. A mother at our mission station died after giving birth to a premature baby. We tried to improvise an incubator to keep the infant alive, but uh, the only water, hot water bottle we had was beyond repair. So we asked the children to pray for the baby and for her sister. One of the girls responded, Dear God, please send a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late, because by then the baby will be dead. And dear Lord, send a doll for the sister so she won't feel so lonely. That afternoon, 
a large package arrived from England. The children watched eagerly as we opened it. Much to their surprise, under some clothing was a hot water bottle. Immediately, the girl who had prayed so earnestly started to dig deeper, exclaiming, if God sent that, I'm sure he sent a doll. And he did. The Heavenly Father knew in advance of that child's sincere request five months before when that box was packed in England. Does God care for us? Does God care for every little situation we're in, no matter how big it may seem or how small it may seem? God is interested in your needs. And all we have to do is pray to him. In 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3, Paul says, uh, when he was writing to Timothy, he said, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceable and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. We're to pray for all ways in all people so that we might lead those quiet, peaceful lives. When we face those difficult circumstances, prayer should burst forth from our lips immediately and fully. There's nothing too small to bring to God. We is concerned about everything. An unknown Confederate soldier penned these words of prayer. I asked God for strength that I might achieve I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked God for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity so that I might do better things. I asked for riches so that I might be happy. I was given poverty so that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything that I'd hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I, among all men, are most richly blessed. That's what God wants to do for us. That's what he's doing in the midst of those difficult circumstances. We ask for one thing, but he gives us something different. And for most of the time, it's better. It's better. He knows what we need. And even though we don't get what we ask for, we always get what we need. God is faithful. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He will be with you in every situation. But we've got to pray. We've got to lean on him. And finally, uh, Lamentations 3, verses 28 through 33. I've been reading through the Bible in the message uh, these last couple of years. And, and as I was reading this, this month, this verse really spoke to me about prayer and how God uh, wants to work in our lives in the midst of difficult circumstances. It goes like this. When life is heavy and hard to take, Go off by yourself. Enter the silence. Bow in prayer. Don't ask questions. Wait for hope 
to appear. Don't run from trouble. Take it full face. The worst is never the worst. Why? Because the master won't ever walk out and fail to return. If he works severely, he also works tenderly. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. He takes no pleasure in making life hard, in throwing roadblocks in the way. Verse 18. The third thing that Paul tells us, the third uh, in, internal thing that God wants us to learn to put into practice every day is to give thanks in all circumstances. Thankfulness seems to be a lost art. Warren Wearsby illustrated the problem in his commentary on Colossians. There's a ministerial student in Evanston, Illinois, who is part of a life-saving squad in the 19th century. And in 1860, a ship went aground on the shore of Lake Michigan near Evanston, and Edward Spencer waded again and again into the frigid waters to rescue 17 passengers. And in the process, his health was permanently damaged. Some years later at his funeral, it was noted that not one of the people he rescued ever thanked him. Do you remember the story of the ten lepers in Luke 17? Jesus healed ten of them. And how many came back? Only one. Only one. What happened to the other nine? What were their excuses? Why didn't they come? Somebody's penned this, that nine suggested reasons why the other nine didn't return and thank him. One waited to see if the cure was real. Is this going to last? I don't know. I may want to go back. One waited to see if it would last. One said he would see Jesus later. And one decided, I guess I never had leprosy at all. One said he would have gotten well anyway. One gave the glory to the priests. One said, oh well, Jesus didn't really do anything. And one said, any rabbi could have done that. And one said, I was already much improved. You know, no matter what the rationalization is, thankfulness is essential, especially during this week of Thanksgiving. I mean, and as Christians, we need to realize, we realize that, but the world doesn't always see it that way. And sometimes we forget to be thankful for all of the little things. It is essential. Gratitude unleashes the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos into order, and confusion into clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, and a stranger into a friend. Gratitude. For whatever the circumstance, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what you're going through, we are to be thankful in all things. Not for all things, but in all things. Romans 8.28 says it that way, doesn't it? We know that in, in all things, 
God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose in all things. Okay. Psalm 100 tells us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We've been going through the Psalms here over the last month, I think, right? Here's another Psalm, Psalm 100. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Psalm 100. God wants us to be thankful in whatever situation. He wants us to see, no matter how good things are or how bad things are, that we are thankful. I know when we were driving up to Cayucas to spend the week with the family, we were looking at the beauty of the ocean and the mountains and the trees and and just thanking the Lord for that first sunset as it came down over the waters. And thanking the Lord for, you know, coolness and, and, and the shells. Everything, no matter what was happening, just being thankful for what we do have. It changes things when we're thankful, when we have gratitude in our heart. Forgive me when I whine. Here's a poem. Today upon a bus I saw a lovely maid with golden hair. I envied her, she seemed so gay, and how I wished I were so fair. When suddenly she rose to leave, I saw her hobble down the aisle. She had one foot and wore a crutch, but as she passed, a smile. Oh God, forgive me when I whine, I have two feet, the world is mine. And when I stopped to buy some sweets, the lad who served me had such charm. He seemed to radiate good cheer. His manner was so kind and warm. I said, it's nice to deal with you. Such courtesy I seldom find. He turned and said, oh, thank you, sir. And then I saw that he was blind. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two eyes. The world is mine. Then when walking down the street, I saw a child with eyes of blue. He stood and watched the others play. It seemed he knew not what to do. I stopped a moment and then I said, why don't you join the others, dear? He looked ahead without a word and then I knew he could not hear. Oh God, forgive me when I whine. I have two ears. The world is mine. With feet to take me where I'd go, with eyes to see the sunset glow, with ears to hear that what I would know, I am blessed indeed. The world is mine. Oh God, forgive me when I whine. We need to be thankful for everything God has given us. And so God's will for us this morning, tomorrow morning, the next morning, every morning, when you wake up, God's will for you is that you rejoice always, that you pray constantly and give thanks in all circumstances. 
when things happen that you don't know why, go back to those three things. And God will show you this is his will. And, and we can sing it. It goes like this. I'm going to sing it once. My wife will sing too. And, and then you're going to join me, okay? It goes like this. Rejoice, always pray, constantly give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Join with me. Rejoice, always pray, constantly give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's stand up, sing a little bit easier when you stand up. Get the diaphragm going. We're almost done. <laughs> Praise God. Ready? Rejoice, always pray, constantly give. Thanks in all circumstances when this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Once again, rejoice. Let me hear it. Constantly give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray.